On this episode of the The Sam D Podcast, the Lake Show have a new coach. He's a reputable name. Promises have been made by the ownership. Will they follow through with those promises? And will that be enough to get the Lake Show back to prominence? Lamar Jackson missed a day from work. And blue check boys and the sycophants who follow them lost their damn minds. We'll talk about it. Elsewhere in the DMV, the Washington football team dropped 100 M's to buy a plot of land in VA. Meanwhile, the NFL owners were trying to vote Daniel Snyder up out the paint. Which is going to happen first? A new stadium for the Washington football team? Or Daniel Snyder up out the paint as the owner of the Washington football team? We'll talk about it. We have finally come to the NBA Finals. A long season has gotten us to this point. We know the teams. We talk about how we got here, what they've had to endure to get here. And I don't do predictions, but we're going to talk out all the various scenarios to how either team can win. All of that, plus Drew Brees is out here looking crazy again on the latest episode of the The Sam D Podcast. Oh, my bad. I forgot to tell the organist to take the day off. My bad. I forgot to tell the organist to take the day off. Uh, hello and welcome to the The Sam D Podcast. I am your host. Sam Dusenberry Jr. Follow me on the Elon app. I still think it's the Elon app at the Sam D. That's T H E E S A M D. Pod is also up there at the Sam D Podcast. For all content, audio, and visual, hit up the Sam D.com. Subscribe to the podcast. Five stars, nothing less. Tell a friend. Podcast available on all major podcasting platforms, including the Purple app. And the Rogan app. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Link is in the podcast description. Subscribe there. I promise you, Trash Narratives is there. We are in the editing phase. Musical production done by May First Music. Support him at SoundCloud.com slash May First Music. Al Horford. <laughs> hey, Philly, y'all good? Y'all good? Y'all still? <laughs> Yo, man, Al Horford. <laughs> the scapegoat of last year's collapse up until Ben did what he did. <laughs> Yikes. Al Horford has been to more finals <laughs> than Ben than your man's Joel. <laughs> oh man. Oh, but I mean at least at least Al's made it to a conference finals. I mean he already won there, but now he's actually made it to the finals. Wow, Philly. Good lord. Y'all can't just stop taking L's. It's just routinely just another day of just y'all just take it else. So this episode is going to be called Wingstop because that's essentially what this NBA Finals is going to be. Who's going to stop whose wings? You're going to have the Celtics wings of Tatum and Brown, and then you're going to have the Dubs wings of Wiggins and the habitual nut hitter Draymond Green. Who can stop whose Wings, hence Wingstop. A lot will be made of the star matchup, Tatum, Wardell, and all of that stuff. But to me, it's going to really come down to the wings. Wiggins, as a fourth option, is an elite player. Let me say that again. Wiggins, as a fourth option, is an elite player. Your team's really good if you have A. Wiggins as your fourth option. 
Now, he's been a third option, and the team's been trash. He's been a second option, and the team's been trash. And of course, he's been the number one option, much to his own assertion, (laughs) and the team has been trash. But now with Steph, Clay, and Poole, who we got to put in that mix now as a splash cousin, he's now the fourth option. And y'all know my thing with A. Wiggins is you need to watch how many shots he's taking. Because that's how you know if A. Wiggins is truly understanding his role. There were times last year, even when Steph came back from injury, when Wiggins was trying to outshoot Steph. So he still had some of that Minnesota A. Wiggins in him. And we know even when he was in Minnesota and he got the help, the help of Carl Anthony Towns, the help of Jimmy Buckets, he was still trying to take the most shots on the team. Now this year... As an all-star, he has settled in to be that third and now even fourth option with the ascension of Jordan Poole. So A. Wiggins as your fourth option is elite. And you're going to have the Blue Check Boys come out here and throw bouquets, verbal bouquets at the Warriors front office and so on and so forth. But they were killing this trade when it was made. When they traded for A. Wiggins, you can look it up. Frozen Takes Exposed has a few of them already up. But there's more. Blue check boys were out here killing them. Now, I've been killing that front office for the assertion that they think that they have revolutionized basketball. They think because they have Steph and Clay that they have revolutionized the game of basketball, that they used to have Iguodala in his prime, not the Iguodala that they have now, who may be coming back from injury, but the Iguodala from his prime Harrison Barnes and the habitual nut hitter that this positionless basketball was going to revolutionize the game. That has not happened. That has not happened. Now, Steph by himself has ruined basketball because he's jacked up so many threes and he's so great at it that everyone has been rushing to copycat him. That's why the Hawks foolishly invested so much into Trey Young thinking he's going to be the next Steph or at least close enough to being Steph, that now they're looking at a franchise that looks to be going nowhere in a hurry. So Steph has ruined basketball because of his three-point proficiency. Clay has bounced back from injuries upon injuries over the last two, two two-plus years. And it's just amazing that early in these playoffs, he looked slow. He looked sluggish. He looked like his lateral movement was stiff as hell. But over that last doubt, the last part of the Dallas series, he started to give you a little bit of glimpses of that defensive monster that he was prior to all the injuries. And they're going to need that in this series. In this finals, they're going to need that clay and not the clay that was stiff and was looking hesitant to take a shot and was looking passive aggressive. They need games three, four and five clay. From that Maverick series from the conference finals, they need that over this NBA finals. Because Tatum's not going to be passive aggressive. Jalen Brown at time could be passive aggressive, but just the threat that he could drop a 40 piece at, on a whim is enough that Wiggins, Clay, and the habitual nut hitter are going to have to lock up those wings. You would assume that Marcus Smart Depoy is going to go after Wardell. He's going to be guarding Steph. Now the thing is, all right, Horford and Robert Williams, those bigs are actual bigs. So that whole positionless basketball thing, that shit's not going to fly when you have a Al Horford and a Robert Williams. Now here's where things could get tricky. If you're the Warriors, you obviously want to get the Celtics to switch. You don't want Steph to have to actually be guarded by Marcus Smart every possession down. So you're going to run a bunch of screens, pin downs, rubs, all that shit to get Marcus Smart off of Wardell. Al Horford has shown a propensity to be able to stay in front of point guards. Now, I'm not saying he's going to lock up. I'm not saying he's going to be able to stop Steph from doing whatever Steph wants to do. I'm saying it's not exactly Swiss cheese if Horford is switched onto Steph. Now, Robert Williams is a different story. You can see him in, that, in this past conference finals where his lateral movement is not the same. 
he's more of a traditional big. Now, the blue check boys will try to give you his defensive rating and so on and so forth. I'm telling you from watching him play this whole season and over the past couple of seasons, if he gets switched off to Wardell, it's a problem. It is a problem. Now, you wouldn't think that a team like the Dubs would try to hunt him, but if you have a guy like Wardell, you want to find a big and have Steph do all the dribbling, do all the hezzies, do all the eye fakes and the head fakes to get him up in the air or do the step back and try to get the threes off or do the hezzy, do the head fake and then drive right by him and get the layup because Steph's been doing a lot of that as people have been playing closer to him trying to stop the three. Now he's able to get by people and lay you up at the cup. And this is where Clay to me comes in because if you have, they're obviously going to run a lot of action for Steph. They're going to run a lot of action for Steph. Clay can't just be the guy to wait in the corner. He cannot be that this series. The Celtics defense is too good for Clay to think he could just wait in the corner and get that three off. He cannot do that. He needs to be more active. They might need to run some plays for him that aren't just curls and pin downs. They might need to give him the rock and ISO up. Let Clay get a 1-4 flat every now and then. I'm not opposed to that. Because if you watch Draymond... When the habitual nutheader has the rock and he's bringing the rock up, he's trying to get the ball to Steph. He's making no bones about it. Unless they run that pep play where he's in the mid post and then they run that two-man game with him and Wiggins or sometimes him and Looney, which the play originally used to be him and Iguodala in, in, in the prime of the whole Warriors thing. They run that little two-man game in the paint where they do little rubs and give and goes and then they get the alley off of that. Unless it's that, Draymond's looking for Steph. So in this series, the Celtics defense is obviously going to be focused on Steph, but the other guys are going to have to do something. Wiggins is going to have to play within himself. Clay is going to have to be more aggressive, in my opinion, to get his shot off because this Celtics defense is still very good. You could leave if, if they're not able to get, if Smart is able to get around these screens and these rubs that he's going to see, you don't have to double. And if you don't have to double, then that means I'm locked up on Draymond, I'm locked up on Clay, and I'm locked up on Wiggins. Who else you think going to hurt them? You think Looney going to do something one-on-one against Robert Williams? So that's why I think Wardell is going to have to be, he's going to have to be finals MVP. He's going to have to be finals MVP. He's going to have to be on that type of time for the Warriors to win this chip. I think they can win this chip. I have bet money from December that they could win this chip. I remember like it was around the All-Star break, around the trade deadline, going on Twitter spaces with the Not That Serious podcast. I was like, yo, Golden State. Golden State, they ready. And I, I believe I also said Boston. I said Boston's a sleeper. So, you know, these two teams are primed and ready. The issue is that who is going to be able to stop whose wings? If you're the Warriors, can you trust that Wiggins can play the type of defense he played against Luka, against Tatum? Can you trust that? And then if he could do that, then you put Clay on Jalen Brown. And Jalen Brown, if you noticed over this Heat series, his handles aren't the greatest. And it's never been a strength of his, but it was really exposed in this Heat series. They won it in spite of his shaky handles. So now if you put him in a position where he has to use those handles to get by you, and Clay looks like the Clay from games three, four, and five against Dallas, that could be a problem for Boston. So this is why getting Clay back was so important. And you, you know, if you want to go back into the Wayback Machine, when the Dubs got bounced out of the play-in by the Grizz, you know, Steph said, yo, you don't want to see us next year. Because he was banking on the fact that Clay was going to come back and be Clay. Now, Clay has come back and he's had moments, but he hasn't looked like pre injury Clay. But over games three, four, and five against Dallas, he showed you a little bit of a glimpse, a little bit, that maybe he's finally rounding into a form, but maybe he's just trusting his lower half. You know, when you're coming off two years of injuries, you're not going to come out here and go balls to the wall. So maybe Clay is finally trusting his body again. And if he's trusting, he's been trusting the shot. But he likes to get his shots into the flow of the offense. Now, 
Kerr in the past has been known to run plays early for Clay to make sure he's engaged. I would hope he wouldn't have to do that here, but you might have to. You might have to to make sure that you've got a good Clay, a trusting his body Clay. You might have to run some plays early for him just to make sure he gets some shots up. Even if they miss, you just want him engaged offensively, where it's not him just chilling in the corner. And the X factor is Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole's X factor. I wouldn't be surprised if someone splashed some money for him to get finals MVP. I mean, every time the Warriors win a chip, it's never Steph as the finals MVP. So I'm sure there's good value for Jordan Poole. I'm just going to put that out there. I think Wiggins and Poole are sneaky plays for finals MVP. I'm sure Steph is the overwhelming favorite if, if the Warriors win to finally get one. But I think if you want to play true to how past practice has been done historically, I would look at A. Wiggins and I would look at Jordan Poole. Because Jordan Poole could come in if you're going to go three guards. If you're going to go three guards, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily have to be starting lineup. But if you're just going three guards against the Celtics, now that puts that defense into question because now you have a whole bunch of switches. Whereas I talked about Al Horford being able to keep up with Steph maybe on the switch, but maybe not Robert Williams. But now let's say you got Jordan Poole. So let's say you do a double switch. You could run two rubs and get the switching going on. You can have a scenario where, based off of how the dribble handoff goes, you could have Steph being guarded by Horford, and then you could have Poole being guarded by Robert Williams on switches. That's Swiss cheese. That's blow-bys, that's head fakes, that's three-pointers and ones. That's, that's all of that. And if you're the Celtics on offense, it, it really is interesting to watch how they run their sets. And they had a big enough lead, I think, against Miami last night in Game 7 where they should have coasted. But then Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart went crazy. I guess he wanted to put the dagger. I guess since Mike Breen caught the Rona and couldn't be there, he wanted to drop a bang himself. And he kept going for that moment, and he kept letting the heat back into the game, and he almost tricked that off. But when, when your best player is such a heavily ISO player, how do you get the other guys involved? And that's where, if you want to talk about the Celtics and maybe a propensity to depend too much on hero ball, that's where that comes from. Because... As much as Tatum and Brown have upped their playmaking ability or have been allowed, they have been allowed to do playmaking because the boy genius for the years that he was there wanted to run everything through the point guard, wanted to run everything through Kemba, wanted to run everything through Kyrie, wanted to run everything through Isaiah Thomas. Now with Fidoka, he's like, no, 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 put the ball in the hands of my best players and let them create. I know they can go get a bucket. But that also means because they're buckets, they should be able to get other guys involved as well. And that's what you've seen. Tatum and Brown have been playmakers throughout this whole playoff run. Can they do that with A. Wiggins defense? Can they do that with the habitual nut hitter? Can they do that with Clay? Even Looney? Because we know Steph and, and Poole are not great on defense. Now, Gary Payton coming back, Glove Jr. coming back could be a factor here. But again, we got to see how he looks, man. It's been out for a minute. Been out for a minute. That elbow, that's, I mean, you're not looking for him for offense anyway. But in a sense of, does he feel comfortable with his body? Bouncing back from an injury, I think, is so, so underrated in the grand scheme of things, I think, from a viewing public. We just think of things as, well, all right, he's back from injury. All right, he's fine. He's 100%. Like, no, 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 he's not. (laughs) The doctors have cleared him. He or she wants to play. But that doesn't mean that they're just ready to go 100% right back like it was pre-injury. You have to test that. Like, game speed is different. You can rehab all you want. You can practice all you want. You can simulate game speed all you want. But until you're out there, it's different. So I don't know if Glove Jr. is just going to go back out there and start hounding dudes like he was before the injury. I don't know that. I don't think that's guaranteed. Just like Tyler Hero last night. Tyler Hero, he's like, oh, he's back. I'm like, yeah, but back is what? (laughs) What is he going to give you? And you saw he really couldn't give you that much. 
Like, yes, he was back. He was healthy enough to play. But that, that, that one, doesn't mean that his body was ready. And two, doesn't mean that even if his body was ready, that, his, that he mentally was ready. But he was out there because it would look bad if he wasn't, especially as a restricted free agent. So I don't know what Glove Jr. can really give you. But there's so many interesting dynamics here because benches now come into play. Grant Williams is now a fixture. Is he their Glove Jr.? He's better offensively. But for the Celtics, he's essentially filling that Glove Jr. role. Iguodala is supposed to be back. What does Iguodala bring? We know he's going to bring defense. He can, do, he can still do some playmaking. What does that look like? If you want to get at the Warriors, you can question their bench. You can question their depth. But having Glove Jr. and Iguodala fresh off, that could be a thing that can help them here because the Celtics bench is way deeper as of right now. Even with the injuries, their, their bench is deeper. I mean, look, like the Warriors are out here throwing around Bielitsa. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> let's be clear. Like, so having Glove Jr. back, getting allegedly Iguodala back, like that's going to be a factor here. So this NBA Finals is really setting up to be dope. I'm here for it. Financially, I'm invested in the Warriors. Uh, I was, I was, you know, the apps like to give you that cash out option. You know what I'm saying? And as the playoffs have gone on, they've been trying to, they've been trying to dangle, dangle lesser odds for me to cash out. I'm like, nope, ride that bet. We don't hedge over here. True degenerate shit. We don't hedge. They're trying to get me with the, but no, 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 no. I'm I'm going to ride that bet out. I'm going to see it through. So financially, I'm invested in the Warriors winning. Um, but I'm really interested to see how the strategy goes. I'm really, really interested in how the strategy goes. When you look at how these teams got here, like the playoff path and even just the regular season, because, again, I've played this sound before, but Marcus Smart was out here clearly throwing Tatum and Brown under the bus. There's only so much I could do without the ball in my hand. Remember this? In the corner. Um, we're running plays for our best players. Every team knows that. We, you know, Crazy. They do a good job of shutting that down. And, you know, we, Warriors we might shut that, that down. You know, they shut that down. Warriors might shut that down. We can't keep trying to go to those guys. we got to, you know, abort that. Every team knows we're trying to abort go Abort that. Be careful. They're trying to get Every rid of that. Every team is programmed and ready to stop Jason and Jay. Right. I think everybody's talent important. Make those guys try to pass the ball. They don't want to pass the ball. You know, something that they're going to learn. They're still learning, you know. Right, because the boy genius wouldn't let them do it. Progress they're making, but they're going to have to make another step and find ways to not only create for themselves, but create Edoka for themselves. got them out here. Edoka got them out here, and um, they're passing the ball now. That's from earlier this season. Calling them out. The two franchise players. I mean, if you can argue that maybe Jalen's not a franchise player on this team, maybe on another team, but... I'm going to call him a franchise player. So calling out the two franchise players by saying, yo, dogs, y'all don't share the rock. Y'all are just now learning how to share the rock. Because the boy genius and didn't want y'all to do that. They wanted y'all to go ISO one four flat the whole goddamn game. But now that we got boy genius kicked upstairs and we got the hell up out of there. Now we can go get a real coach. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> go get you a real coach. And, you know, and now we have someone who can empower the two best players on the team to go cook and not just cook in iso ball, not just cook in hero ball, but cook in terms of if you're getting slowed down, draw a double, draw the attention of a team and then pass the rock. And Tatum and Jalen Brown have been doing that. It's an amazing transformation. The boy genius could only get them to the conference finals, and then he always found ways to trick it off, mostly through his lackluster coaching scheme. But now we have Idoka coming through, and one year, one year turnaround. Much like Urban Meyer said it's going to be a one-year rebuild, this was an actual one-year rebuild. All they did was bring back Al Horford. (laughs) That's all they did. Philly, y'all still good? (laughs) 
they brought back Al Horford, and all of a sudden, now they're in the goddamn finals because Tatum and Brown were, the, the, the shackles were taken off, and they could now go play make as well as go be buckets. Amazing. Amazing. When you look at it. The Celtics were 11th in the East in January. 11th. And they're in the finals. And they had to go through the Nets, the Bucks, and the Heat to get there. I'll repeat that again. The Nets, the Bucks, and the Heat. They went through KD, Giannis, and Jimmy to get to the finals. And how did they do that? Talent. And that's why watching the whole boy genius thing was maddening because they kept hyping up his coaching. And I'm like, he's got nine lottery picks. How can't this man get to the finals? How can't they get to the finals? All these damn lottery picks. They kick his ass upstairs. They get the, the hell up out of there and send his ass back to Utah. And now a real coach comes in and wow, nine lottery picks. Oh yeah, I can get to the finals with that. A real coach comes in and all of a sudden they're in the finals. But y'all want to tell me about this goddamn boy genius from Butler who had them same lottery picks and kept tricking off conference finals after conference finals. They go get a real coach who bagged me along and in one year, one year during the finals. Talent overcomes all. Talent beats your scheme. Talent beat the Heat culture. The Heat was six for 30 from three last night. That ain't no damn culture. They just don't got the talent. And when you got seven, eight, nine lottery picks on the other side, you goddamn right you're going to win on the road against a team that's six for 30 and don't got the horses. The culture is out here touting about their, you know, undrafted free agents. They're giving 90 million to Duncan Robinson. He could barely get any run. They're talking about that culture. That's their culture. Max Drews is out here getting muffed at the rim by Al Horford. The same Al Horford Philly said was... (laughs) (laughs) but you know what i'm saying max juice is out here getting love he about to be the next duncan robertson he trying to cash out tyler hero made that squirrely face and now all of a sudden the whole league was in love with him there was a tweet last night by a blue check boy who asked a poll who put up a poll a couple of years ago i guess during the 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 uh ascension of duncan robertson and it was like, would you trade Duncan Robinson for the number one overall pick? And there were fans that chose yes. Forty <laughs> percent of them. Forty percent. Forty percent for a Duncan Robinson. God damn, man! What are people watching? Ninety mil to that Duncan Robinson. How's that Heat culture looking now? How's that culture? Ninety million. Going to go get an old-ass Cal Lowry. Trade away Precious Ochoa to go bring an old-ass Cal Lowry. How'd that work out? how BBLPG work out? They refused to include Tally Hero in any deal for the beard. And then Philly went and gave up their whole bench for him. <laughs> so then when Embiid, as usual, got hurt, they had no death. They had no death behind Embiid. Because they gave it all up for the beard. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? What in the hell is this culture shit really about? Pat Riley is sitting up in the owner's box getting all this love from the blue check boys left and right. National media pontificating left and right about how great Riley is. What does he have to show for it? Outside of Braun and them, the Heatles only got two out of four. Partly because Riley and them didn't know how to build a roster around the Heatles. And yet D-Wade and them got that chip off in 06, but we know why that really happened. We know, we know the fix was in. We know the rest were in on that. All them damn feet throws against Dallas, we know. What has Riley done? He sustained a culture of above average? 
are we are we putting the Godfather label on Pat Rally because he's been able to build the Miami Heat to be an above average team consistently? Is that what it is? And then he tanked when he knew Bron and them were coming. They openly tanked to get themselves in position. I mean, I, I don't I don't really know what what to make of this whole heat culture thing. The heat culture thing has been shoved down our throats, pause, and it's really been for nothing. The heat gets so much credit for making to conference finals and for getting to a finals and then losing in the bubble that I'm like, well, what are we praising them for? The Knicks did this in the 90s and we laugh at them. The Knicks made it to the conference finals back in the days. They made it to the finals and lost. There was no Nick culture. It was just y'all ain't never good enough to get over the hump. But for some reason with the heat, it's like, oh my God, this culture of guys. They find guys off the scrap heap. Every team does. Who the hell had Jordan Poole going crazy? Who the hell had Glove Jr. being a real piece in the NBA Finals? Oh, but the Heat do it. Oh, my God. Duncan Robinson. They gave him 90 M's. And he doesn't play. <laughs> Is Duncan Robinson about to be the new Chandler Parsons? Is that what we doing? Duncan Robinson. At least Chandler Parsons go hoop. And y'all know how we do here. Every NBA Finals. Ever since I've been doing this pod. Since 2016. When the NBA Finals come, I do a pod for every game. No matter how many games it goes, no matter the outcome of these games, I do a pod for every game. So that will continue this year. What we're doing, though, is I'm going to have someone come on with me to recap each game. Different person for each game, although if it goes seven, I may have to bring some people back depending on the feedback. Uh, But as of right now, you're going to get a pod after every game, as usual, but you're also going to get a guest with me to help me break down these games and chop it up just about these games in general. So look for looking really forward to that. Been hitting up people behind the scenes, um, making that happen. So um, it'll be announced as we get to these games or whatever, because the final start on Thursday. Uh, but yes, it, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I enjoy doing these recap pods for every game. Cause it's just like real basketball nerd them. Um, so I would love, I'm going to love the opportunity to share that with someone else. A lot of you youngins might not know who Darvin Ham is, but Darvin Ham was a name synonymous for me in my teenage years. That's the dude that broke the glass in March Madness. <laughs> Darvin Ham for Texas Tech. I forget which team it was against, but I remember that Sports Illustrated cover. Mans broke the glass on a two-hand dunk in March Madness. Shit was amazing. So Darvin Ham has worked his way up the ranks. And has now been named the coach of your Los Angeles Lakers. So the Lake Show has a new coach, Frank Vogel, obviously out. Everyone still assumes Braun and them, Rich Paul and them, is in the mix and is handpicking coaches. But Darvin Ham allegedly is not for play play. Darvin Ham is allegedly not for play play. He is well respected in the league. Much like Vogel, but it hits a little different with Darvin Ham. I won't go into why, but it seems pretty obvious if you look at the two of them. It hits a little different with Darvin Ham. And he's been made some promises by the Laker front office that clearly Frank Vogel didn't have. So Darvin Ham smartly got some promises. Now, I don't know if it's in writing, but allegedly from what the Blue Check boys are reporting and through back channels that I was able to confirm through my people, Darvin Ham has been told we're going to stay away. Now, you can speculate who that we is. I don't think that's Rich Paul and Braun. I think that's more Genie and them. <laughs> Genie and them is like, all right, bro. We, we, we will give it up. We will give it up. We, we will not be involved. We will be hands off. And it's not necessarily Genie. It's the Rambuses. Not just Kurt Rambis, but his wife, Linda. And I didn't know this, but apparently Kurt Rambis would be sitting in meetings in coaches meetings with Frank Vogel. Now, Kurt Rambis has bounced around this league. He's been he's become one of the more notable members of the Showtime Lakers 
uh, mainly because he wore goggles and he was white. But essentially, you know, he has been able to cash out on being that notable and to have an extended career way longer than other guys from the Showtime Lakers, at least better players than him from the Showtime Lakers have had shorter lifespans like Byron Scott. Where, where's Byron Scott right now? But somehow Kurt Rambis is still around. So Kurt Rambis was sitting in coaches meetings on a regular basis, not just a check in, not just a temperature check popping in every now and then. But on a regular basis, he was sitting in coaches meetings with Frank Vogel and his staff. So Darvin Ham's like, nope, that's not happening on my watch. Don't need it. So he was made promises that he has autonomy over his coaching staff. That's huge. Vogel did not get that. And he has assurances from Jeannie and the rest of the front office that Kurt Rambis will not be involved in coaches' meetings. Not involved. So if the Lakers truly have a real coach now, just like we've seen in Boston, Boston has a real coach and we see what a one-year turnaround could look like without changing too much. If the Lakers now have a new coach That's a real coach. And because of Russie's contract, they can't make too many changes. Can the Lake Show have the type of one-year turnaround that the Celtics had? Now, again, Lake Show don't have the youth of a Tatum and Brown. But LeBron is still LeBron, right? He's not washed king yet, right? And we know what AD does when AD is healthy. All that street clothes shit goes bye-bye. So are the Lakers primed now to make the type of one-year turnaround with just an infusion of a new coach that's a real coach, much like we see with the Celtics in the NBA Finals? It's going to be interesting, but, but Darvin Ham is a real coach. The real ones know. Darvin Ham's a real coach, and he's being given the type of autonomy that he needs which allows him to get the respect that he deserves when he pulls up to that locker room. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Lake Show reacts to that. I mean, because when's the last time Braun has had a, quote, real coach? I mean, you can make the argument, has Braun ever had a real coach? You could say Spolstra. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I'm not saying Spolstra is not a real coach. I'm saying was Bron, was Spolstra a real coach when he had Bron in them? Because again, a team that good only won two out of four chips. Was that Bron's fault or was that Spolstra's fault? It's a very mixed response when you talk to people in the league. So Bron now having an actual coach, what does that look like? And if you're stuck... With Russie, how does Darvin Ham massage that relationship? I don't think they bring back my man, my Melo Carmelo. So there'll be obvious changes like to smaller pieces. But by and large, I think the Lake Show are stuck with Russie. So if you're running it back with Braun, AD, and Russie, it's just having a real coach in Darvin Ham enough. Free agency will tell you everything in regards to this Laker team and to what players think, not only of LeBron entering, what, year 20? But also, if they can't move Russi, who really want to go there? Who all really want to go to the Lake Show if you know you're going to have to deal with the decline of Russi? That's where you're going to find out what other players think. If the Lakers catch a miracle and they're able to unload Russi, then you might see more notable players like, all right, now I'll pull up. But if they're stuck with Russi, I don't, one, I don't see financially how they pull it off. But two, I don't know if you're a good player, if you even want to go deal with that. So this upcoming free agency will tell you everything you need to know with the perception of the Lake Show around the league. Fresh off the NFL draft, we have OTAs. OTA season is upon us and everyone is reporting. Well, not everyone. And everyone's losing their mind because this is a voluntary workout. But because, you know, the media landscape is 24-7 now, people need to make news. People need to generate content, generate takes. And your man's Chris Sims, 
The man's Chris Sims, blue check boy, has a very privileged path on his way to blue check boy stardom. He jumped out the window chastising Lamar Jackson for not showing up to voluntary OTA workouts for the Ravens. And Lamar defended himself on the Elon app. And it generated buzz. And it did everything that Chris Sims needed it to do because it generated numbers for whatever show he's on that most people aren't watching every day. So while Chris Sims was trying to go viral, chastising Lamar because that's the easy thing to do to get clicks online, uh, there were some other QBs that were out here missing time. And Chris Sims' main argument was that, well, Lamar has things to work on. He needs to show some improvement. He needs to bounce back from last year. Well, look, Aaron Rodgers... Missed OTAs. He has nothing to work on. He lost his number one receiver. He has nothing to work on. He's another year older. He has nothing to work on. He skipped OTAs. Tom Brady. Missed OTAs. Man's literally retired. He quit football. And decided to come back. And he said fuck OTAs. He's got nothing to work on. They lost another receiver. He doesn't have Gronk back yet. He has nothing to work on. He has nothing to improve on. Kyle Murray wants new money. He wants his money. They also choked down the stretch. He has nothing to work on. They lost Christian Kirk, right? So new receivers. He's got nothing to work on. Killing Lamar is akin to killing LeBron. It's easy target. It's easy target and it's easy clicks. You could build a whole career off of it. Maybe maybe Chris Sims is trying to do to Lamar to build his career up the way that Nick Wright did to LeBron to build his career up. Find a guy and either kill him or love him and ride that wave. Lamar Jackson is very polarizing. And for some reason, people just love to just keep chastising this man. This man has won a Heisman. This man has been an MVP. This man that has carried a team that's been bereft of weapons to the playoffs multiple years in a row. And for some reason, people just love to just shit on Lamar. I just, I don't get it. I just, I mean, I get it. I know what it really is, but there's people that look like Lamar that chastise him. I just don't get that. But I guess when you listen to people that don't look like you talk about someone that does look like you, then I guess you just fall into the trap of what? Mm. Mm. Okay. Okay. Dog, it's voluntary. How many of y'all are going to work when you don't have to? When you don't have to? How many of y'all are doing it? And not getting paid OT if you go and just go, I'm going on my day off, go get some extra bread. No, 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 not that. You're just going in. And you're still going to get paid the same rate if you stay at home. But you're going to go in. We just, why are we not, why do we treat athletes like this ain't a job? It's a job. They go to work. Guess you can hit me with the, the trope of, oh, it's a, it's, a, it's a kid's game. Yeah, sure. But at the end of the day, they get paid. It's a job. That's why it's taking so long for college athletics to make the transition because you keep buying into notion, it's a kid's game. No, it's not. It's a job. It generates revenue. It's a job. It's the most asinine thing ever to sit here and talk about athletes and act like this ain't a job to them. Just because you would trade your shitty job to go be a pro athlete and risk it all and go to OTAs and all that type of shit, that doesn't mean that these dudes have to. To some of these dudes, it's just a job. It's a means to an end. It's a check. Just like you got your job because it's a check, to them it's the same thing. Their job is just a check. And if I don't got to go in and my check stays the same, I'm staying my ass at home too. And deep down, y'all would too. But because they make more money than y'all, it's a problem. It's a kid's game. It's bullshit. Absolute bullshit. They're more wrapped up about this than Daniel Snyder spending $100 on the plot of land in VA to get a new stadium. This man has ruined that once allegedly great franchise. I'm still calling them the Washington football team. That that name that they got is trash. So they're still WFT to me. So the Washington football team, as we transition here, Look, man, they got 100 mil on a piece of land in VA, and they're going to build another stadium. FedEx Field is a dump. I told you all that when I worked for my last company, and I had the, I had the displeasure of going there. And I was like, good Lord, it's an old-ass stadium, and it's a dump. The people there know it. The employees know it. 
the the ushers know it, security. Everyone knows how much that field is a dump. And Washington, the football team, went out there and dropped 100 M's for a piece of land in VA. Meanwhile, while they're dropping 100 M's for a piece of land in VA, the owners are trying to get Daniel Snyder to fuck about the paint. And it's not even for the workplace harassment and the cesspool of a work environment that he's been accused of incubating. The owners are alleging that via USA Today, if the financial improprieties happened, I think that's the nail in the coffin. We are counting votes. So now, if you go back, Washington's been funny with the money, not just in terms of contracts, because I mean, all the NFL funny money is funny money, except for Deshaun Watson. They've been cooking the books crazy. Cooking the books crazy. And it's reached to high offices in the government. I mean, they right there, right? DMV, they right there. They ain't too far. So if an agency, I won't say who, if an agency decides, oh yeah, dog, they've been cooking the books way too crazy, the votes are going to come and they need 24. They need 24 votes to get Daniel Snyder up out of here. But meanwhile, Snyder, who's not officially running the team, it's his wife running the team because of all this shit that's been going on with Snyder and what he's been linked to. And if you're in that stadium, the employees are more scared of Mrs. Snyder than actually Daniel Snyder. That's a thing that's happening out there with the Washington football team. But they also running around here buying plots of land for 100 M's when they're in trouble, allegedly, with an alphabet agency over the bread that they've been cooking the books with. So where that 100 M's come from? <laughs> you tell me. If you're already cooking the books in the DMV, how are you able to get off 100 M's to go buy more land in the DMV? And to finish up here, your man's Drew Brees. Noodle arm alleged Hall of Fame QB that he is. Super Bowl champion because of an onside kick. He allegedly is out here on the Elon app saying that, you know, he has decided to part ways with NBC. But I mean, bruh, you saying that is kind of like when Witten tried to say he decided not to rejoin Monday Night Football. Like, son, they ain't want you back. They ain't want you back. Stop playing. Stop playing. You ain't you ain't fooling nobody. You went and got that hair piece. You ain't went and went out there and got them hair pieces done. Thinking you was about to flip. You was about to flip and cash out. And one and done. You're one and done. Fresh off earning $300 million or over $300 million in his playing career. I mean, I'm sure Breeze thought it was going to be an easy layup to jump into the media landscape to continue to cash out off his name. Especially since he was called out for trying to cash out off the backs of black and brown Christians in New Orleans when he had that pyramid scheme. So he thought this would be the smoothest, the easiest of transitions, and he was bad at the job. He was horrible at the job. He was boring. He had nothing to say. He was never willing to really chastise or jump out there on the ledge. Like, that's kind of the wave if you're going to be an analyst as a former player. You either have to jump out the window with your takes and opinion, or you have to be so astute in your analysis that you're a game changer in that way. Breeze was neither. He was just a dude that was just sitting there flashing his Super Bowl ring every chance he got. And when you look at what has transpired this NFL offseason with the way that Aikman and Brady have cashed out and Romo and the Mannings are collecting Emmys and Breeze's former coach is now going to be in studio kicking it with Strahan and them, I'm sure he figured, all right, well, NBC is going to want me to come back now, especially now that all these other guys are jumping into the landscape and these are my peers. But he's learning the hard way that these guys aren't his peers. He's not on their level. And that's just not me saying that. It's not just me. LeVar Arrington is out here in these streets. 
And LeVar Arrington is saying Drew Brees isn't as popular as he thinks he is. LeVar Arrington is saying that. I think he's got a pod or a show with him and Brady Quinn and somebody else. And they got into this Brees thing. And LeVar Arrington aired it out. It's like, yo, Brees ain't, he ain't popular in league ranks. Like, he's more popular with fans than he is within the ranks of the NFL. And, I mean, look, when you go and you do a pyramid scheme, when you run around Katrina acting like you did everything single-handedly, and then you cash out off of that by tricking, scheming, and scamming religious black and brown people into giving you millions, and you get caught, and then the media protects you, even though you were caught. He was caught running a pyramid scheme. You can go on my YouTube channel if you want the full breakdown. It's there. Did a whole trash narrative around it. That was about two years ago, two, three years ago. That was during the pandemic I aired that out. And it still hasn't become a big story. This man that they trotted out on NBC to be the face of their football package scammed black and brown people in the same city that he allegedly helped save during Katrina. That's a thing that happened. And nobody said nothing. The story is sitting there on the internet and no one is saying anything. I've been screaming from the mountaintops about it for three years now. This man still thinks he's a symbol. He thinks he's a symbol of the rebuild of New Orleans. And it's amazing to me when you look at the fan base of the Saints, there's a lot of people that look like me and you. It's a lot of people that look like me and you that's rocking that black and gold. And they love them some Drew Brees. I'm like, how you going to love you some Drew Brees when man's ran into that same community you're, you're, you probably came from and got millions off on a pyramid scheme and was caught. And he's still lauded. Y'all still rocking a Brees jersey? If my favorite players scam people that look like me in my own neighborhood, I would not be wearing that man jersey. But, you know, the religion of football. That shit is serious. You know what it is. Appreciate y'all for listening. NBA Finals Game 1. Me and the guest breaking it down, chopping it up, recapping Game 1. Look for that. That'll be Friday. That'll be Friday. That'll be released. Game 1 Thursday night. I will be announcing my guest shortly. So make sure you're locked in on the Elon app. Do all the retweeting and all that good stuff there. Uh, but yeah, hit up the YouTube page. You want to see that Drew Brees? All the tea is right there. Scamming people. And as always, man, I appreciate the feedback from the last episode. You know, that was a lot of last year's Take Them to Church episode was a lot of post-production work. This year's Take Them to Church episode was a lot of pre-production work. The feedback has been great. If you're ever going to share the pod, share that episode. I put a lot of work into that. Did a lot of writing into that. Did a lot of ad-libbing into that. And uh, I really did put all that I could into that episode because I know that y'all were waiting for that. So if you're ever going to share an episode, share that share that episode of the pod. Got a lot of great feedback on it. But hey, on to bigger and better. NBA Finals is here. Celtics, Warriors, Game 1. I'll holla at y'all Friday. <laughs>